This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We've got another author in the Media Week studio to do today. Welcome, Graham Bond. Oh, James, it's a pleasure. Fantastic. Now, you're sort of on your book tour for The Great Pink Hunter. This is true. Yes, I know. That's right. I, I, second book, first one was Memoir, yep. which was, was easygoing. The second one was a little harder, tougher. Now, now of course, the, the memoir, um, uh, Jack of All Trades, Mistress, Mistress of, one. of One, that yeah. was about 2011. Now, I've got to be honest, when I opened the envelope for this, took it out, The Great Pink Hunter, Outrageous Tales of Life in the Advertising Jungle, I thought it was maybe another memoir. Because you have worked in advertising, right? This is true. Well, yeah. that's exactly what Red Simon did. I did Red Simon's show and he said, so tell us about another memoir. And I went, oh, come on, Red, you haven't bloody read it. Well, at least I'm, uh, I got into it and realised pretty quickly that, hey, this is actually a novel. Fiction, yeah. yeah. It is, it yeah. is yeah. definitely fiction. And, and, and as I said, um, it's my first attempt at a fable. Like uh, writing a, it's a fable, and in all fables, they're told by, narrated by animals, and in this case, it's a, a pig. But it, <laughs> in my case, it's a dead pig, and it's set on the island, which is a, it's a fictitious island somewhere in the Pacific, and uh, for all those Greek scholars out there, it's called Malacca. Okay. So, uh, and it's the story of two tribes, a fat tribe and a and a, a group of little headhunters who. Um, who uh, suffer from lack of protein, so every now and then they have to do a raid from out of the hills and eat themselves a fatty. Uh, <laughs> but they're very nice people. They're, that's basically the, the story. But it's really about, uh, you know, how, 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 um, how their lives change when there's intervention from outside, when missionaries and they take on Western ways and suddenly the fatties become the governing body and they... Um, they uh, go from a democracy to a kleptocracy very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, then they suddenly uh, take on more Western ways and they start selling off the island, the, all the, this paradise. And they sell the oil, they sell the mining rights, they sell all the, tree, you know, the, the forests, and it's devastated. So that's when they bring in the genius himself, the great Australian advertising genius, Kevin Hunter, from Hunter, Hunter, Hunter and Hunter. You've got and to be careful saying that quickly too. You do. <laughs> so he's uh, he's the first three hunters, but no, everyone's buggered if they know who the last one is. <laughs> he's the managing director, the creative director, and the financial director. So yeah, so that's Kevin. Anyway, he, he's famous in Australia for his groundbreaking advertising campaign for Tampax or tampons for the active man, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, who could ever forget his inimitable line, which was, if you're running with the bulls or swimming with the sharks, don't leave home without them. <laughs> so he's, he's come in to sell this devastated island as a holiday destination. Yeah, yeah. And, so they, they, and he's very lateral, this character. He's very hateable. Um, he's, he's really the anti, antichrist. And, um, yeah, and it's really about his story and how he uh, actually takes advantage of, a, of a, a, a tribe and just remarkets them. In fact, in remarketing them, he just destroys thousands of years of culture. <laughs> he says, sure. Yeah. So, now, so, so tell me now, you've, it's a little bit Game of Thrones at the front because you've got a little map of the... Um, Absolutely, of the island of Malacca. Of Malacca. And what's, what's... Is it... 
Gopi land? Copeland? Gopi land. Well, the Gopi. Gopis are the little people. They're the pygmies okay. who have a, a taste for fatter people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time. They just need the protein. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's useful. Then you've got a cast of characters beside yeah. it, which is also useful to, to refer back Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And if you see that the... Um, the the you know the, the my sales line is uh, babe meets heart of darkness. <laughs> so oh, that's very good. That's uh, it, re- it. You know the the pig is is incredibly erudite. Yes, and Kevin Hunter is not. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Hunter is a brutalist. Um, yeah, he's a. Uh, he runs a very tight ship, and um, and eventually it, it, it talks about his self destruction uh, in, in the in the agency business where he uh, he loses it. He has many many uh, inebriated breakfasts, power breakfasts to uh, get him through the day, and uh, like a lot of like me uh, me as well in the eighties, you know the Chardonnay lunches and the endless drinking and. The <laughs> Those terrible days of advertising. Well, you're in pretty good shape considering... This generation doesn't know anything about that, you know. (laughs) Well, I say you're in pretty good shape because you must have punished your body for a a few years there. I did. Yeah. Well, I did. Well, the worst thing I ever did was... uh, Even when I was doing the Auntie Jack shows and doing... Gary McDonald nicknamed me the human cigarette. I smoked (laughs) 80 cigarettes a day. Really? Yes, indeed. Wow. And you don't get away with that for no reason. Emphysema came along. I just found out I had that. That's a lot of fun. But then when you do that, you expect it. What year would you have stopped smoking? How long? Uh, since I, you had I smoke? stopped on my 40th birthday. So I okay. stopped in 1983. And uh, does, does the body repair itself at all? Well, that that supposedly stuff, do it does, or? but not mine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not mine. I ended up with emphysema and, and some other cute thing that comes along with it. But, but as I said, you can't do that and not expect... It doesn't come. It didn't come as a surprise. I went. Yeah. This is this is what's happening. So there you yeah. go. You've been fairly modest in your sort of author biography at the front page. There, it's just a couple of lines. Basically, yeah. you, you didn't really because you've done your autobiography. You, you didn't really want to get back into all that. And well, yeah. Um, this is this is about a whole new thing. It's yeah. stepping into you know. It took me well. It, it took me four years to write this book. You know and. Um, What's interesting about it is um, things have changed. In that four years, uh, I, I, I began. Lots, I was covering a lot of issues, serious issues. I was looking at you know political corruption, uh, destroying indigenous cultures, and uh, and pedophilia in the church. All comedy subjects, you know, that <laughs> sort of yeah. work, working with. And <clears throat> so, you know, if, if you look at what I've done from the seventies here, is everything I did was sort of absurd, surreal comedy. Da-da. So, in that four-year period, in, in the interim. <laughs> I got snookered. Brexit happened. My God. And then Donald Trump came around. So, you know, Trump spelt the end of parody and he spelt the end of really surrealism. So I uh, I got... It became really urgent for me to get this book out and I suddenly thought I'd better get it out before Trump pardons Robert Mugabe and appoints <laughs> him as the United States Senator. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. Yes. Don't laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so... None of us were expecting any of this to happen. It is really bizarre. And and as bizarre as my book is, and it is bizarre, 
uh, it hasn't got there yet, but it's almost there. Mm. The world is almost there. Yeah. Mm. Now, you've self-published this. Am I, am I right in that? This is yeah. true. My, my, you know, Deborah, my, my uh, publicist, she yes. hates me doing this, but I said, listen, uh, you know, this is my first, uh, first journey into self-publishing, and quite frankly, I think it would have been safer for me to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, dangerous. No, but I guess you go in with your eyes open. You're not expecting any no, no, big no, no. returns. Well, no, I don't. You don't write books to make money. No. Holy mackerel, you know. <laughs> no way. But but it is, it's a hard game. It's it's tough because you're, um, you're, you're footing the bill for everything, you know. Sure. You, you, but, yeah. but doing it outside, I mean, even people who go with a big publisher often get very little return on from from all those hours spent. Oh, yeah, four years. So, yeah, oh, no, it works out so, nothing. It works so, out but, nothing. but is it harder for you, though, like on the publicity trail because you're – because you've got to – but you've, you've, in, you've engaged a publicist to help yes, you Yes, I that. have, yes. Because that's probably the, one of the biggest challenges a, a self-publisher faces. It, isn't it is, and it, 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 it is going to cost something. But but the, the thing is – with with the uh, going with the publisher. See, I I had the book with Alan and Unwin, and I'm an impetuous puppy, you know. And uh, well, I'm hardly a puppy now. I'm an old <laughs> mongrel. But but uh, they had it for six months, and they were very keen to look at it and do whatever. But they kept putting me off and saying, "Oh, Booker Prizes are coming in, and they're they're you know they're the most they're important to us because they're you know on our books, and we'll read it next month." And I went bugger it eventually, and I do what I always do. Mm. Boys and Macbeth was. You know, I end up paying for it myself. Uh, <clears throat> most things I've done, I've taken. A, I've always been a risk taker. Even when we, I went into advertising and left Saatchi and Saatchi, Bon Strofeld started off with a couple of pencils, <laughs> and it was in a shared office. And we had a secretary that ha- answered the phone for twenty people, and I said, "I'm not going to invest anything more than that in this." I said to Strofeld, "We're going. That's all we're going to do, mate." And within five days, we were pitching for Daihatsu, which was an $8 million account, and embarrassingly, we won it. (laughs) (laughs) They turned around, they said, wow, fantastic, we love the music, we love love the concept, smart car Daihatsu, smart cars. It was before the generic term smart car came out. Sure. And uh, so they they went with that. And, of course, the first thing they wanted to do was see our agency. And I got a terrible head cold and (laughs) headache and put them off for about four days. And in four days we found a suit, uh, office manager, secretary and an art director. And we found offices over at Milson Point, over towards Kirribilli. Uh And we wheeled them in and they went, what beautiful. (laughs) What a lovely agency. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you, you, you could move when you had to, right? You had to, yeah, yeah. So, but this publishing is doing it yourself as a bit of a new game for you then, but you would have learned a bit, though, from your autobiography when that yeah, came well, out. Yeah, well, I know, you? but you've got a machine behind you there. Yeah. You've got the machine so, behind you, you know, and, and everything's organised. And they've, and the hardest thing is the distribution. Yes. Now, the big problem is distribution because uh, I had to go with a, a, a independent distributor out of Melbourne, and that's that's one. But the hardest one was uh, for the ebook. Now the oh, okay. ebooks, I went with um, uh, Macmillan. Macmillan have got a huge company called Pronoun. Now this is an interesting story. I don't think too many people know this. Okay. So I went with Pronoun, and Pronoun distributes through Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Noble. They distribute your book through there. All right. Good, right? Well, that's good. And they collect your money and yes. they send you money. However, one week ago, I received an email from Pronoun to say, 
uh, just to let you know that we're closing our doors oh, and you'll have oh. to find yourself a new distributor oh, wow. by January the 18th. See, all the joys. So have they got it initially, though? There They've is got an it e-book until existing the 18th. now. Yeah, well, there are e-books, and they're distributing it through all those major, major companies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, of course... You would be a great person to do an audio book, too. Oh, that's right. To, to no. read, but that's <clears throat> a fair work. bit of work, isn't it, I guess? It's... Well, how many, it, do you know how many words you've got here? About three fifty thousand. Eighty thousand. Yeah, about okay. eighty thousand. But but uh, like I'm doing the opening, uh, the, the the launch with Dougie Mulray. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Doug's, Doug's launching it uh, on uh, this Friday at Glee Books, and uh, <clears throat> I th- th- I'll do some of the jingles from this, which is the Tampax jingle for <laughs> active men. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's very fun. It is funny. Uh, um, and I'll, I'll do that. So it would work very well. And I've got all the... Because I did documentaries up in New Guinea. And I was up in the hills. And I want to ask you about your, yeah, your travel yeah, stuff. All the travel. Yeah. I did a lot of, lot of travel. And <clears throat> uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, leading edge stuff. In 1975, we did a television series called Leave It to Jesus. It's part of the off show. Right. And the first series of the off show was called The Completely Off Show, and Leave It to Jesus was there. And the ABC pulled it one hour before it was to go to air. Now, four years later, Monty Python made Life of Brian. So we got, I got shafted and booted off the ABC. Yeah. <clears throat> but not, I waited, I came back and I did one more, and I thought I did the next show. It was not called, uh, not the completely off show, it was, it was called Not As Off As Last Week But Almost, <laughs> and, I ran, and I ran Malcolm Fraser's obituary. All right. Because oh, <laughs> wow. it was prepared. Yes. And it came to me and I said, Australia mourns the loss of a leader. I've got to show you this obituary. And I went bang. And then Malcolm Fraser born, you know, so, so, so finished with the obituary and it came back to me and I said, no, Malcolm Fraser isn't dead, but Australia really mourns the loss of a leader. <laughs> and they investigated, the taxation department investigated me for the next 10 years. Really? They said, you can't have a company. I, was, can, I can vaguely recall that. created yeah, a bit of a stir, didn't it? It did. It, oh, I was in terrible trouble. So then I went off and worked in England at London Weekend. But um, what am I saying about doing doc- Documentaries. I started in 19, uh, 1995 when I left the advertising agency. I was making one-man documentaries, selfies, basically, mm-hmm. with a digital three-chip camera. And I went off to the Middle East and I shot a documentary in uh, in Jordan and I went into Syria when you could. Yeah. And got... Yeah. A volatile area back then, but not nearly as dangerous as no, it is now, no. I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> no, the vol- well, there aren't, weren't a lot of tourists around, no. I can tell you. And uh, I was staying in the poorest part of town in, uh, in, in, uh, near the old city in Damascus. But constantly, because you're a novelty, I was constantly followed by the secret police, who weren't terribly secret at all. They, <laughs> they're all, all incredibly beautifully groomed and all looked like John Travolta. They had the John Travolta, you know, grease hairstyles, and they had beautiful le- tailored leather jackets and bulges under their ar- left arm where they kept their guns. And uh, they'd come up to me and i go, you're secret police, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and they go, Muh. How could you tell? I go, it's a bit obvious, mate. Yeah. So that was, yeah, so that was lots of fun. And I was doing documentaries there. Then I went, I made documentary around the world for uh, Qantas, for Global Explorer, to sell their product, Global Explorer. And then I made another documentary in Cyprus on archaeology. And uh, then into New Guinea, two trips into New Guinea. Uh, First one, fantastic, out to the islands, lovely people, well-fed. And the next one was... 
what, what do they say in, in politics? When I'm talking about the corruption in, po- in politics, the fish is rotten from the head. Wow. We got really bailed up by the police, uh, any excuse, and it was a shakedown, big mm. shakedown, because they knew we had a lot of money with us to buy art. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. there was no way we were going to get out of there. So it was really touch and go because we were eight, ten hours from uh, civilization, if you call pop and dead a civilization. Um, and it was uh, very, dodgy, very dodgy, very, very, very cl- cl- yeah. close to the bone. Yeah. Look, look for people who, who don't know a lot about you, just cover, let's cover off a few of the highlights now. Yeah. A little badge on the front of the the book says it's Auntie Jack approved. Had to be. <laughs> How could I not? Now, of course, Auntie Jack for me is is just a, a great memory of, of, you know, when I was a kid growing up. But, but like all great things, it was a relatively short period of time. Is that right? But yeah, it, well, I think but it's... But the sort of the, I won't call it a myth, but the, the mm. thing is that it, this is a great piece of Australian history that ran forever, but it didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't. But I think the, the wisest thing I ever did was, I think it's, uh, I don't know whether it's accidental, but I, I'm, I got sick of Auntie Jack before she got sick of me. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I think that the producer uh, and my director got a hell of a shock in the second series, the last episode, was called the Auntie Jack Sex Show, and everyone was <laughs> stripping and taking their clothes off, and Auntie Jack came out and said, I apologise for this, this dreadful, dreadful thing that's happening. Please forgive me, my little lovelies. And then had a heart attack and slid down the wall and died. <laughs> and he came running down from the control booth and he went, what the fuck? What's happening? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, what do you do? I said, that's it, mate. I don't want to do it anymore. And he went, but what about the next series? I went, no, no, I don't want to do it. Anyway, so there, there I so go. So how many episodes were there? There was only 13. 13. 13 episodes okay. of our second series. That was with Gary McDonald, where he, de- yes. where we gave him Gunston and he developed Gunston. So there was no Gunston in the first season? No, no? that was John Derham. There was a, oh, a narrator okay. Neville was in the first series. Right. And uh, so <clears throat> they all had a theme. Then they ABC convinced me to come back and I came back and I did a, another one called Auntie Jack Rocks On okay. with Stevie Wright from the Easy wow. Beats and yeah. George Young and, and Rory and a fabulous band. And uh, so we did all that and, uh, and that was good. That was one because I, I wanted to do it for the music. Yes. And then the last thing, why they invited me back because I'd been such grief for the ABC, always, you know, <laughs> bad just, just. But which was part of the attraction for a lot of the audience because they loved that crazy. You're not sure what's going what's to happen. What's going to happen? Yeah. Well, I, I, look, I'm. If it, I was inspired by anyone, I, I always said that the thing I loved about Spike Milligan was it was like a like a Ferris wheel or a chocolate wheel. He'd just spin the wheel and the sketch would go. And if he didn't want to finish the sketch, he'd go, well, "That's it." <laughs> and he'd, he'd go walk into the next sketch and go, let's do the next thing. Right. And I loved him for that and I loved his anarchy. And I had my producer. I thought I was an anarchist straight out of university uh, architecture. I'd walked away from an, uh, being an academic and architecture to to starve as an entertainer for years. Yep. And that's what, how I got into the advertising business. Rory and I both didn't have very this much This is money. Rory O'Donoghue, Rory your O'Donoghue. long-time collaborator. Absolutely. Yep. Now, uh, uh, Kevin, he's still with us, isn't he? Yes, of course. You, yes, yes, okay, yes, good. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> he's an Iron Man. Rory's a, yeah. the fittest man. Really? Okay. Yeah, at the table. So you live in Sydney? Where's he live? Yes, he's over, uh, he's over towards DY. He, okay, mm-hmm. all right. But he runs Iron Man, which is... Uh, what are they? They three point five swim. Oh, but he still does actually does yeah, that. Yeah, three point five okay. swim, one hundred and eighty bike ride, and the full forty two. And he's sixty eight. 
Fantastic. So he's doing all that. So Fantastic. Rory and I, both starving, me having... <clears throat> Sir Robert Helpman offered us the Adelaide Arts Festival in 1970, and I'd done a review with Peter Weir. There was Peter Weir, Geoffrey Atherton directed it, who wrote Mother and Son. Now he gets a nod for giving some, um, helping you a little bit with absolutely. the novel. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Yep, yeah. Some advice. Or no, no, and, and great. Yeah, he's always been a great a screenwriter. And, and a great writer. Yep, yep. Yeah, great writer. I mean, as I said, his sketches made me look good. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's a, and he's a very generous, and he's a great mate. Once a month we'll have, in fact, once a month we have lunch. <clears throat> in fact, <clears throat> he was a part of the inspiration for this. Um, Jeff, we were having lunch one day, and, the, and this is the premise of this book. He said to me, I heard a story about a group of American buyers who were up in Manangrita, and they had the Aboriginal women sitting out in the middle of the desert you know, with their canvases and their bits of bark and bits of wood and their, their palette, yeah. and they were the dot painters, you know, and uh -huh. the American women were standing over them saying, hey, honey, <laughs> listen, I told you what the palette is, you know. <laughs> Lemon and orange are big, fashionable colours this year in America. Could you go with the colours? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. So that's how cynical that is. And that's what I, I – a lot of that so goes you, into this yeah, book yeah, yeah. about tribal yeah. art. Um, Kevin Hunter eventually he, – he claims that he invented dot painting and he said, <laughs> you know, when the buggers wouldn't listen to me, he said, I went off to Bali. He said, I found a bunch of school kids there. He said, you tell me the bloody difference. <laughs> Half the price. He's a shocker. I bet He's you've come shock. across some Kevin Hunters in your time. Oh, have I ever? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Holy, in this game, holy yeah, mackerel. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so that, that segued into, the, into a career in advertising. It, yeah. No, Rory and I, what we did is uh, we had no money, and so we made up – and we, we did a lot of music. So in all the shows, there were music, and Rory and I were writing together. So I said, why don't we sit down and do a, a demo tape? And so we did a demo tape, and the first person – I don't know whether you'd ever remember him – Terry Bissica. No. no. Osti. I think that okay. was the very first thing we ever did. Then we did Osti, and then we picked up uh, Castrol GTX, and okay. then we were doing, you know, we'd, we'd, So you're doing the jingles, the four Hundreds of jingles. We wow. did hundreds of jingles, and then we started doing soundtracks for films. Uh -huh. And then we ended up, we won an Australian Film Industry Award for the soundtrack for Fatty Finn. Okay. Uh, yep. In 1980. Right. And, uh, was Bert Newton in Fatty Finn? Yeah, was he that, was. Bert Newton was, was the husband of Fatty okay. Finn's father. Right. And Noni Hazelhurst was the mother. Right, yes. Okay. And we did all the music for that, Rory yeah. and I. And, that, and then you win an award and you never get another job. <laughs> That's the problem with awards. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So then advertising. Now, you, you, so you built quite a successful agency. Yeah. Did, did you get taken over or did you sell out? What happened there? No, all right, okay. So what happened? Very quickly, let's yeah, go, yeah. go jingles. I go jingles. Then I got involved in Boys Own Macbeth, took it to America with Red Simons and Kim Gingell. Okay. Boys Own oh, wow. stage play, a musical yeah. that I'd written with Jim Burnett. I, I, I come back after uh, running the show in America, I get a phone call from Thompson White and Partners, from the guy who is the managing director there, and he says, Bondi, do you want to be the creative director of this agency? And I went, I've never been creative director. He said, I've never bought a bloody agency before either. <laughs> so I went, okay. So I went in there and I was there for about four days and he said, Bondi, mate, uh, 
could you knock up one of your jingles? Because uh, we're going to be pitching for David Jones next week. And I went, what? <laughs> so I sat down and I wrote, there's no other store like David oh, Jones. Really? And oh. that was the campaign. And it ran for 25 years. Jeez. It was still running recently. And then... Royalties oh, would have been nice. Well, the royalties were nice. But, but the, when Saatchi's Do you get royalties for doing oh, it? Oh, always, jingle? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. But... Oh. but as, when Saatchi's took it over, they started to chop it down. So all I ever got was the last tagline. There's no other store like David Jones. So, that. you know, it's, it's cut from At it. least they didn't drop it completely. Well, well now, you know, listen, this is an blo- older bloke standing outside <laughs> saying, okay, you've got a fantastic position. You've, you've taken the high ground. You've said yeah. there's no other store like David Jones, which means Myers can't compete. Mm. No one can compete. So <laughs> bloody Saatchi's to me, they come up with was, is, always, was was David Jones. What does it mean? Mm. I am, you are, I was Australian David Jones. What? (laughs) What? It doesn't make sense. Anyway, what do I know about advertising? I've been out of it too bloody long. Yeah, quite a bit. Quite uh, a bit. It's funny, but it's yeah. You know, I was going to talk about today also about you know, what what Mumbrella wanted me to talk about was uh, you know, my observations on on advertising okay. now. Okay. And I'm just looking. Well, online media and social media has taken over. It's sort of like to me, it's the sort of magpie generation where you see anything bright and shiny and you go, oh, got to go with that. That's cool. <laughs> and, and these, I don't know, people that they're convincing their clients to go. Uh, on Facebook and to go on social media and do whatever. I, I, sometimes I think a, a, a newspaper and uh, and sometimes a television screen is a little bigger image than getting on the back of a telephone and doing whatever. That's just a bloke from my generation talking. But I think what worries me most of all is the incentives that are offered by the um, by the uh, social media people. The very good incentives, which means I see sort of uh, conflict of interest with the agency. Are they looking after themselves or their client? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. True. That's the question you have to ask. Sure. You know? How would Auntie Jack have gone on uh, social media, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she would have been taken off pretty early, I'd say. <laughs> she would have been mad. I mean, you just think today, where in the world could you get a tele- – could you put a television program on and say, threaten your audience and say, if you don't buy this product, I'm going to jump through your television sets and rip your bloody arms off. <laughs> when could you do it? Yeah. Russia? You might be able to do it in Russia. Putin sure. could probably do it. Yeah. But uh, not really. You can't, you know. Um, it's all very PC these days. Isn't well, it? that's but right. Yeah, it is. It's it's very politically correct. And I think that's had, that's sort of was the beginning. I was doing stand-up comedy in the 90s and uh, the political correct thing... Was was and the eighties? It actually drove Gary McDonnell out yeah. of uh, stand-up comedy when he was doing Guns, and he'd come on and he'd go, "Oh, you know, just uh, I saw this woman the other day, and he'd get hissed, and then he'd say there was a a, a, a rabbi walk, he'd go hissed, and so you know, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't. You can't win. You know? yeah. So, yeah. So that's why this book is is it's a warning. I'm going to warn them. You know, yeah. It's, they're going to people will be offended by this book. I yes. haven't, I haven't uh, you know. <laughs> Cleaned anything up. It's not saccharine, and it's certainly not that. And the and the main character in it is horrendous. He's right. hideous. Yeah, he's hideous. But uh, I mean, if you want to make your point in satire and whatever, you, you paint it that way. You, you know, sure, yeah? sure. It's not Look, saccharine. A couple of things before I let you go. Yeah. Uh, a lot of books are sold. I'm gathering through the review pages of 
the newspapers that are still left and yeah. stuff like that. Is it harder to get an independent book, do you think, into Oh, very. To yeah, review? No, it really, it really is, you know. I think um, the, the thing with my book is, uh, and it's like on e-books as well, it doesn't fit into a category. Mm. So where does this book fit into? It's, yeah. it's, it's like where did Auntie Jack fit into? It didn't fit into a category. It didn't. Boys Own Macbeth didn't fit into a category. So, um, yeah, I, I don't sit down, and I don't sit down to, to write to please the audience. I can only write what I think is funny. Yes. That's all I can do. I, I don't compromise and I don't sanitise. And I will I'll probably cop flack for a lot of stuff in there because Kevin Hunter is really politically incorrect. Yes. Yeah. But he makes a good point. <laughs> he, I mean, no, he he highlights, you know, he's, he uh, highlights the problem and he's corrected a lot in yeah. the book. But yeah. he's, he's unforgiving, you know. Yes. Yeah. Now... I, Go on. I, just one other thing I yeah. was going to say. You know, of many professions, I, I've had a, a myriad of professions from <laughs> academic to architect to advertising to now author and then acting and whatever. But basically I've chosen all these professions and try in all of them, they've all got one thing in, in common. They're all trying to sell creativity to more to, uh, to um, clients and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a really difficult game. Yeah. That's the hardest game is trying to sell to the great unwashed. Well, not the, I'm not talking about the, the public. I'm just talking about clients. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, a couple of things I want to touch on in your media. Now, you spent a bit, of, a few years on Better Homes and Gardens too. Yes, indeed. Yep. Yep, I did. Okay. I, and, they, and that they would have been, because that was a massive show. I mean, you're talking about two million people used to yeah, watch that. Yeah, huge, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a I mean, funny... It's still a big deal, but it was, it was even bigger back in those days. Well, it was a funny story, because that when I was in Syria... I, I got a call and I was staying in a, a, a French nun's convent because it was the only place where the water was, was safe. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one, but yes, go on. <laughs> where the water was safe. And I, they came back and they said, uh, I came back from the city one day and they said, Australia Television Channel Sep call. And they gave me a number and I called it back and they went, G'day, Bondi. Buddy, mate, uh, you're an architect, aren't you? And I said, I'm an architect. Yeah, that's right. They said, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, we'd like you to. Uh, we, we, are you interested in doing better homes and gardens? And I said, "What's that?" And they said, "Someone with John Jarrett and Andy Hazelhurst." And I went, "Christ, a bit low rent, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> and they went, "You and your two million viewers." And they, yeah. they went, "No, but we pay you well, you know, if okay. you want to do it." I said, "But you've got an architect on there." And they went, "Yeah, yeah, no, no, we've done the research. He comes across like a bit of a girl." <laughs> I went, "Oh, you're terrific. Thank you." I went, "What?" <laughs> So anyway, I said, no, no, I'm not really interested. I'm in Damascus and I'm not really interested. And they came back and they said, no, 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 Bondi, we'll leave a, we'll leave a script for you in uh, Singapore on your way back and, if you know, learn it and just, just give it a go, see how you feel. And the first story I did was a lovely story. It was on, um, it was on straw bale houses and it okay. was really interesting, you know, yeah, and yeah. I really did. And then, I, like, this is me. I wasn't doing anything at the time. And it was part-time. I did the next one and the next one and the next one and a couple more and the next one. And then seven years later, I was still doing it. I went, wow. oh, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Because I was an architect, but it was sort of like – it was like me being an advertising person. I played a part. I played a character. Mm. 
Do you, were you part of the ensemble though? Did you do things like go to the Logies with their team oh, yeah. and things like oh, that? Oh, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I did all well, that. That quite interesting. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, but I, yeah. Well, Auntie Jack won a Logie. Oh, right, in really? 1974, 75. Okay. I still remember. Um, um, uh, Rory and I went there. David Cassidy was one of the presenters. Oh, wow. And Gina Lola Brigida. Wow. And Gina had eyes definitely for David. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Bert was the compere. Yeah. And so Bert, uh, Bert, so I was there getting well and truly hammered, you know, <laughs> and uh, Rory was there. And I decided, I said to Rory, listen, we'll just wear beautiful velvet tops and just go with our jeans with the arse out of them <laughs> and, thong, and thongs. So we were perfect from the waist up yes. and then really disastrous from the bottom down. And Bert said, and, and here I am having a drink, and he said, and the winner of the, uh, the Logie for the Best Comedy Show is the Artie Jack Show. And I went... <laughs> Shit. So I've gone up on stage and Gina Lola Bridget has handed me the Logie. Right. And I took it and um, and here's this new peer group that aren't really my peer group, you know. I'm, I'm the new boy on the block, sure. really, yeah. and I don't really know and I haven't been to the Logies before. And I got up and I said... Um, because I'd watched everyone else, that women had cried and thanked God and their mother and for winning the Logie, and I said... Uh, I have to say, Bert, thank you, thank you, and thank you to everyone out there. Um, winning this Logie, I have to say, is the most exciting thing that's happened to me today. <laughs> and the audience laughed, and I went back and <laughs> was it TV Week said, you ungrateful bastard. We oh, gave, really? Yeah, we gave you an award, and that's the way you treat us. And I went, oh, man. Yeah. So they didn't have a laugh along with you? Uh, no, no, no. It's too serious. Mm. All too serious. Tell me that... Um because it was a big deal, Arnie Jack, making a lot of noise. Was there? Was it always too wild for commercial TV? Were there any overtures at all that that you could, you know, take that character and? Oh, no, were terrified. No, no, no. Yeah, could you? Channel, channel nine. Way too dangerous. Channel nine. Channel seven. No, no. Yeah. There was there was talk. We had meetings with Channel Seven, and I. I'm not the best behaved person in a nah. meeting with a bunch of turkeys like that. So I, so I wasn't, I wasn't really charming and warm and friendly, in, right? And as they weren't either, you know. No. So anyway, what's funny is years later, Channel Ten came to me and they said we really want you to do, you know, a, a show here. And I got Red Simons and I got Rory and whatever. Okay. And so we, we go in there and I wanted to call it the Captain Bloody Show. Uh, it was called the Nothing Network Show. Oh. Remember when they were O Ten Network? Yes. It was yep. the Nothing Network Show, and it was about a pirate who stole from the really rich channels and gave to the poor channels, right. channel O, the Nothing yeah, yeah. Network. And they said, no, we can't, I couldn't do that. Could you just maybe call it the Graham Bond show? <laughs> and I knew at that point that yeah. I'd lost. So yeah. those meetings always ended with you thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I did it and uh, it, was very, it was like pulling teeth. It was too hard. So sure. Really, the only commercial thing I've ever done is Better Homes and whatever. Yeah. And I ended up with that, you know. By the end of that, it was so desperate that, you know, me as the architect, that was, you know, I'd be out there saying, <clears throat> now, how you can change your water closet into a gymnasium? <laughs> <laughs> All you've got to do is, when you're sitting on the dunny, you can yeah. reach over, pick up the barbells. <laughs> Christ, I don't know. Uh, and now, look, I, but, and just finally, I want to talk to you a little bit about radio. Now, you did some, you did some time at Double J? Double J, absolutely. Yeah. During Which, of course, the, people who don't know is the forerunner of Triple J Triple today. J, yeah. Well, Marius Webb, who was the managing director of Double J, 
love the Auntie Jack show, and he tried. He, he approached Gary McDonald, Rory O'Donoghue, and myself to do a radio show, and we said, "Okay, fine." And I said, "All right, we'll call it Nude Radio." <laughs> and he went, "What?" And I said, "We'll do it in the nude." And anyway, so we 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 did the first episode in the nude. <laughs> First episode, a three-hour show in the nude. Was and it a weekend show? I'm it trying was, to remember. Uh, yeah, Sunday. 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 It was from one o'clock till four, I think okay. it was. And um, and it used to, the uh, opening titles of a running bear in the nude, love little white dove in the nude, <laughs> little white dove in the nude, in the nude. And so that was it until we eventually got our own jingle up and wrote that. But there was a lot of music in it, and um, it was hugely popular. <laughs> and we used to wing it. We'd just we'd go in there and we'd have a couple of pre-recorded sketches, and it was it was probably the forerunner for all those morning triple J double okay, J that's sort of the, yeah. the yeah. traditional radio yeah. breakfast doing shows comedy. So we do days. we play characters. Gary, that's how Gary evolved Gunston. You know, that's right. where he got the GI cordial and the pineapple donuts and Wollongong and oh, Auntie Jack was Wollongong, but he just moved up the coast and went to Coromel. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of that happened and it evolved and it came out of there. So but what I loved about, you know, the, the ABC viewer, the ABC viewer, they were offended. They said, how dare you put nude people on our radio and offend us with nudity? So on, even Double J listeners got offended, even, oh, yeah. which was supposed to be the edgy alternative, wasn't it? Well, I think people were testing it out to see if it was okay. their cup of vomit, you yeah. know? <laughs> Wow. So, uh, so that were, that were great days. But Gary always swears that that's where he got his ulcers from because oh, really? it was really, it was dangerous. Mm. It, live radio doing that was really dangerous, yeah. and uh, it was fun. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Do you still see many people from the the Double J who, who's still oh, yeah, around? Marius, you, you, yeah, Marius will be coming to the book launch. Uh, okay. I see Marius in Italy. He lives over in Italy right. half the year. In uh, over there, yeah. uh, I see him. I see, yeah, no, I, I yeah, John, Chris, John Chris Winter would have been back there Chris in those Winter days. Was there, ever come absolutely. across him? Yes, it's, indeed, absolutely. One of the great voices in radio, Wonderful. I reckon. Just that, that I always remember listening to his shows fondly. Well, his style of show is the forerunner mm. for the old album shows, yeah, yeah that's right. It's just fantastic. But I remember we used to take the piss out of everyone, <laughs> you know, the nude radio. There used to be a girl called Tina Jorgensen, I know, mean, and we, if she was a folk singer, who used to sing under the name of Tina. Date okay. and she always just sing. I knew an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. But she was really raging and you know really uh, 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 edgy on on radio. And we used to introduce her after the uh, nude radio show and, and play. There was an old lady who swallowed a fly. And now it's Tina de de, Tina <coughs> Tina Tina de, de, Jorgensen. <laughs> <laughs> she hated us. Yeah. But, but they used to have special meetings. Marius told me he said they had meetings where they complained about us taking the piss out of them oh really yeah all wow. the jocks because yeah. they, they used to they used to have uh do you remember there was uh, the gremlin or the the hobbit and there was okay. the, i mean it was holger brockman was back holger around brockman. those hello days. my friends <laughs> i am holger brockman <laughs> and uh, they used to have all these names and we used to do the grease or something in the poo yes <laughs> so yeah. we had our own people on our show that were really pretentious yeah and really Deeply spoken, right. and Gary McDonald used to do a bloke from Go Set who, who <laughs> couldn't who couldn't do it today. He had speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, go set the uh, famous, famous. Um, rock music journal, of course. Absolutely. Um, back in the day, edited uh, by Molly Meldrum, of course. Yeah. Uh, um, Peter Olchewski was there. I don't know if you ever come across yep. him. Yep, yep, yep. He still writes for Media Week um, 
It was JJ McRoach as he was in the past. The um, of course, one of, of course, his, his um, courage stood for the I think the Senate. But only last year there was a whatever it was. What would it have been? The thirtieth anniversary of Double J. Yes, because Holger and uh, they were all there. Everyone mm-hmm. was there, and it was down down in uh, Stanley Street. It was a fantastic night. It was just Rory was there, and John O'Coleman was there, and uh, it, yeah, it was great. It was yeah, really great fun. Yeah, great yep. fun. Um, that that was. Breakthrough stuff. Yes, boy. I mean, you got to give Marius and his mate who who did that. They pulled off something remarkable. It's amazing that the old ABC didn't pull them off air. Yeah, I was yeah. Staggered that they lasted. Yeah. And of course, Marius became um, the first employee of the ABC to be on the board. Right. He was a board member for yep. a minute. Yeah. For a minute. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up now. Look, the book is The Great Pink Hunter. You can get it in good bookstores. In good bookstores, absolutely. Um, you, can you get it from Amazon? You can, yes, it's on Amazon. Yeah, the book's it's on, on Amazon, Amazon and Cobos. there is an e-book at least until January 18. At least until January, but I'll go with someone but, else. But, yeah, 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 I'll yeah. go with someone Fantastic. else. Fantastic. And, and the, the crazy luck. thing, as you know, is that, you know, it's... Twenty nine ninety nine in the bookshop, and it's seven dollars ninety nine on Amazon. Sure, but they yep. just changed. They, you know, they changed the price. It came out at ten ninety nine. They took twenty percent off it, and yeah. I tell you, they just do it. Yeah, yeah. So either way, at least get into it and um, check and, the and enjoy great summer reading. It's yeah, it should be. Well, it's funny. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Graham Bond, look, uh, great to get you in here. Many thanks, Pleasure. James. Thank you.